the business savvy singer. Hey there. And welcome to the Business Savvy Singer podcast. I'm Dr. Greta Pope, and I'm so glad that you're here. This podcast is dedicated to vocalists and to those who love them. We interview singers who are working professionally to get a glimpse into their lives and celebrate their personal journey to success. Join us weekly to learn how to move your career forward. Get tips and recommendations to help you realize the career of your dreams. You're listening to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast, brought to you by the PrivateMusicStudio.net, providing online education to build sustainable careers in music. Also, Eternal Wolf Music, producing audio for every need. And Greta Pope Entertainment for the finest in entertainment. Today, I am very excited to be able to chat with my good friend and fellow singer, Barbara Ann Martin. Barbara Ann Martin graduated from the Juilliard School in New York, completing both her bachelor's and master's degree in voice and opera theater. She was an apprentice at the Metropolitan Opera in New York, and the Central City Opera Company in Colorado. Barbara has performed throughout the United States, Europe, and Asia, appearing at major music festivals such as Aspen, Boulder, Ravinia, Caramore, Huddersfield, Adelaide, and Salzburg. She is a well-known interpreter of the works of American composer George Crumb. Welcome, Barbara. It's wonderful to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Greta. This is a great pleasure. I'm so excited. You look beautiful. I love it. We're looking at your studio there. It's wonderful. I'm surrounded by beauty. I'm surrounded by music and things that lift my spirits. And that's what we all need during this time to have our spirits lifted. So let's start from the beginning. Tell me where you grew up. How did you begin singing? How old were you? All of those things we want to know all about you. I grew up in New York City in the borough of Queens. My father was Armenian and my mother was Norwegian. So this was a very interesting cultural heritage. Thanksgivings were really exciting with all the smorgasbords that we would come together. My mother says that I started to go up the scale da, 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 when I was nine months old. So that's how legends are born. Absolutely. <laughs> but what happened was that my parents were both amateur musicians. And they thought, well, every young lady should have some kind of gift or talent. Let's give her a few, a, a few piano lessons so that she can entertain her guests after dinner. That's how it started. Mm -hmm. So at age four and a half, I started playing this instrument here, this piano. And I hated to practice, but I hated housework even more. (laughs) So I spent a lot of time doing my hand and doing my scales. And that's where it started that I had an ear. Okay. That's wonderful. And then when did you begin singing? When, when did you actually start in, a, in a, a structured kind of way? 
It seems as if, because I could read music, I was put in every church choir and every school chorus there was. And they put me in the alto section because I could hold the tune. Didn't that happen to you too? Yes, it did. Yes, Absolutely. It did. I know. We've talked about this before. Yes. You're a very high soprano. I have those high notes too. But because you could read the music, they That's stuck right. you with the harmony. That's right. Because Which everybody was wonderful. Melody. Yeah. Everyone could sing the melody and wanted to sing the melody. So if you could stick to that alto part and read the notes and, you know, all of that, that's that's where you ended up. That was it. Yeah. So from there, we had a family friend, Ellen Albarini. My goodness, she was tall. She was Swedish, but she'd married an Italian singer. And so she became the voice teacher. So just for fun, she said, let's see what's in there. And I opened my mouth and had three octaves. And she said, wow. oh. So that's where we started. I think I probably sang my first piece at some Armenian summer camp when I was eight years old, nine years old, something like that. And it turned out to be a, a piece like, fish gotta swim, birds gotta fly. You know, one, something like that, because it was one of her favorite pieces. Ah, okay. I, didn't really start to sing, I think, until when I uh, until I was a teenager. I have students who are more professional now at that age than I ever was. Yeah, I think things are a little different now than they were back then. Kids do start earlier and, and start kind of on that professional path. Absolutely. Earth. I have many who are extraordinarily talented. Yeah. And I am so grateful to be teaching them. Yeah, I do too. And it's a wonderful thing to see. Absolutely. To see, yes. So when did you decide or when did you know that you wanted to pursue a career in music? Such a good question, Greta. You're such a wonderful, astute interviewer, as always. I didn't know. Music was such a part of me. Every time there was a school assembly in high school, I was in it, whether it was the drama club or playing the guitar and singing some kind of folk music, being with the chorus, whatever it was, I was in it. I remember one year, the only assembly I wasn't in was the typing assembly. <laughs> but still, it was like breathing for me. I never knew what it was like not to sing. Yeah. So there, there was a time when, of course, I had to choose a school to go to for college. And again, I was singing arias, I was singing popular music, I was singing a lot of things. But I didn't realize that I needed it so much for my life. And I had an uncle who said, oh, you want to go to a school where you see real normal people too, not just musicians. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Uncle Johnny, I'll see. <laughs> so I only applied to one school, Syracuse University, and Harold Boatwright came down to interview me. I was taken right away, it seems, because his wife, Helen Boatwright, was a very, very famous soprano yes. at that time. They were going to match me with her. I went up to Syracuse, and I was miserable. It's a good school, but these were scholars, academic, academicians. They weren't performers, and only at that point, when I went to the wrong college, did I understand how devoted I was to becoming a, a performer? Yeah. 
Now, I had all the wonderful music theory training, all of the music history training, everything I needed, but I wasn't becoming an artist. Yeah. And so at that point, I came back down to New York. I said, this isn't working. And I attended what was then called the extension division at Juilliard. Oh. I matriculated into ear training, other, other courses, just as I would have had I been there normally. I auditioned. They took me right away. I said, if they don't take me, who? Yeah. And of course, they did. Yeah. And then I went to Juilliard, thrilled, happy as a clam because I was where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. I was with other people who loved music and were as devoted to their own growth as I was. And that's where it started. So now when I counsel my college bound high school students, I tell them, I made the mistake, which was the greatest decision I ever made because it focused me on what I wanted to do with my life. Yes, that's wonderful. That's a great, a great story. So um, I understand that you sang in a master class given by Elizabeth Schwartzkopf. How exciting was that? And, and you know, where was that? And I had a voice sing? teacher at that time in New York by the name of Antonia Lavon. Okay. Very interesting work, a woman. Fabulous in contemporary music as well as leader, everything else. And she knew her. She uh -huh. was teaching... Now I can't remember the name of the school in New York and invited her to come in to give this master class. So I had to get up and audition for her. Oh my gosh. And it's, this wasn't in the class yet. I sang Auf den Hebräischen Gesängen, which is one huge Schumann song. Mm -hmm. And I could hear Schwarzkopf talking to my teacher. My goodness. I understand what she's saying. She knows what she's talking about. Fabulous. So she took me right then and there to be in this class. What I did was one of her showpieces called Kio Mi Scordidite. It's a Mozart concert aria. Mm -hmm. I knew it backwards and forwards. I knew it extremely well. And there I was in the master class singing a piece that was that she was known for in front of all these people wow. and you know that fight and flight mechanism we always feel like good grief what am i doing here you know why am i here how can i help <laughs> you reach up with everything you have but it was so amazing because i was in that particular spot she brought out the best in me because she had to I had to come up with every suggestion she made. And it's funny because at the ending of the piece, she just let me sing because mm -hmm. there are all these roulades and all these wonderful things, high notes, low notes, everything. And I was sailing. Mm -hmm. I almost had a spiritual experience because it was a, such an incredible flow yeah. of vitality, of energy, of joy. It was a formative experience for me. Wow, that is so exciting. And for those of you that don't know, Elizabeth Schwarzkopf was truly one of the greatest singers to ever live. Truly, a, a classical singer and just uh, fantastic, legendary, truly legendary. Truly legendary. Later after that, I went to some other classes she gave and she would be demonstrating things, floating these high notes, age 75, nothing. 
Yeah. She was yeah. just had it. That's wonderful. Just fantastic. And what a thrill for you and, and a formative kind of experience for you to have been able to sing for her and get great accolades from her. That's wonderful. It was extraordinary. In fact, it carried me through to winning a major competition after that. And I did do uh -huh. the Pio Mi Scordi di Te in, in New York on my... That's fantastic. Line. That is fantastic. So you were an apprentice at the Metropolitan Opera. Tell us how you became involved there. How long were you there? Give us all the scoop. Oh, you're really making me go back and look. Yeah, we want to know. Yeah. And it, you know, it doesn't have to be absolutely accurate, but just give us a, you know, an idea of what it was like. You know, Greta, sometimes it really is networking. Mm -hmm. I didn't know the name then. It was, I didn't know that who you knew would lead to great things. We had a friend of the family, Marie Ashdown. She was involved at the Met. She had a lot that she did in terms of charitable giving. Mm -hmm. And she knew the head of the Metropolitan Opera Studios, as it was called then at that time. So I was singing with the New York City Ballet, Yes Me. I did 10 seasons with them. I was on stage in this particular production of the Liebeslieder-Walzer by Brahms. I'm on stage in costume, singing these beautiful, beautiful songs, and I had a couple of solos. So Marie Ashdown, my friends, brought the head of the studios to listen to me. And, and she said, see, she's got it. So the audition was arranged that time, and now here's the funny thing. I went to my first voice teacher to warm me up in a place called Sherman Square Studios with the rickety elevator. On my way to the audition, I got stuck in the elevator. And I just sat there, you know, I had to wait, 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 wait. So I came in to, to, to the Met, not on the big stage, but in a small, small area and said, I got stuck in an elevator, help me. So they let, they let me sing anyway. I sang Cherubino, and this is again how interesting things work out. Frederica von Stade was their superstar Cherubino. She was in the Met Studios for exactly one day when they called her upstairs to be in the big house. Her spot was open and I got it. Oh my gosh. In the studio. Wow. So that is how one thing led to another. Wow. And That's then I met my idols. I met all kinds of people. I got to Central City because of the Met. It was an extraordinary opportunity that I really didn't appreciate at the time. Yeah. I really didn't understand yeah. what I had. Yeah. Oh, I was, yeah. I was still working on my master's degree at Juilliard wow. while, while I got into the studios. What a wonderful experience. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. So tell us about the George Crumb things. You're a well-known interpreter of the works of American composer George Crumb, and you sang on a Grammy-nominated recording of A Journey Beyond Time and the Winds of Destiny, a work written by George Crumb. How did you become involved with that? He wrote those pieces, those song cycles for me, by the way, which was oh, a great thrill. Wow. Again, so much goes back to my first voice teacher. I wasn't studying with her anymore. But she had the foresight to record something for me. Barbara, I think this is a piece you might like. And it was Ancient Voices of Children. 
sung by Janda Gayatani, because she's the one who premiered it. Excuse me. From the moment I heard it, heard her and heard it, I was mesmerized. Wow. I was a coloratura in terms of being able to sing very fast notes and high notes and so on and so forth. But this was a different kind of coloratura than I had ever heard before. There were wordless vocalises that seemed to just come from another another dimension. It was this piece, Ancient Voices of Children, is written on poems by Garcia Lorca. So George had remarkable colors that he got into the instruments and into the vo into the voice. And I knew as soon as I heard this piece, I had to sing it. I would sing it. I don't know how, what, where. So I knew his publisher. I guess they said something on this broadcast about Peter's Corporation. And I ordered the piece, and it came. Now, I at this point, I didn't have any idea that I would ever be singing it. But I looked at it. Oh, I have to show you the first page. May I do a little show and tell? Yeah, of course. Now, mind you, I had done some contemporary music at Juilliard, too, because I was involved with composers there, and they had wonderful, interesting, creative ways of writing out their music. Not just what you see normal, yeah, normal music. But then I thought this. Wow. This oh. was the first page of Ancient Voices, and most of those notes are mine. Very fascinating. It's like... <laughs> What is what is this? But it caught it caught me. So I started to learn it by myself, mm -hmm. listening to the recording. Then again, networking, amazing. Juilliard, I got to know Jacob Druckmann, a composer of renown, also a Pulitzer Prize winner. He had me go to the Columbia Laboratories in New York to do some improvisation for him. Mm -hmm. I'd never done improvisation. Wow. Why not? But uh, so yeah. I went there. I let it rip. He wanted certain things. Mm -hmm. I was to hit uh, hit a sound, hit hit uh, play a vo uh, an instrument of some kind, and have the voice come out of it. He had some idea of something he wanted to write. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he was so excited three hours later that he made a piece called Animus II from my improvisation. It's a very theatrical piece. It's set with instrumentalists, very, very theatrical, moving from one station to another. I mean, this is not normal music, but it was exciting. I was creating something. So he knew Jan Gayatani. He knew Arthur Weisberg, who was the conductor who premiered the piece, Ancient Voices, and worked with George. And it, he formed a piece called, uh, rather, a group called the group, I'm forgetting my names now, that's some other group, uh, Contemporary Chamber Ensemble. Okay. Well, from one person to another to another, Jan became a superstar when Ancient Voices hit. And there were a lot of concerts with Arthur that I had to fill in on. Okay. One of them was at the Library of Congress. And we were doing a show and tell for the audience. And lo and behold, 
I don't know where I got my courage, because this is not normally me. I'm a converted introvert. I, I got up in front of this ensemble that had created Ancient Voices of Children and sang the first page by myself, by memory, boom. Well, to use a proverbial saying, Arthur dropped his teeth. He said, because at that point, the only person he'd know who could sing it was Jan. Mm -hmm. So the next time, I got to sing it. He taught me all the nuances of the piece because he made the recording. He knew exactly what George wanted. That led to the Bowdoin Summer Music Festival in Brunswick, New Brunswick, Maine. I'm always going to be grateful for Lewis Kaplan, violinist, great musician and administrator. He brought me in when George and his family were up there one summer. He was the composer in residence and he heard me sing Ancient Voices for the first time. Now, the legend has it, I don't know, Lewis told me. Soon as I finished singing it, George turned to Lewis and said, Jan has met her match. Wow. <laughs> that is fantastic. I mean, whether it's true or not, from that point on, I got to know the family. Now, George is like everybody's favorite uncle. His wife is sweet, great cook. They're both, they've been sweethearts forever. I got to know his daughter, Anne Crumb, who is a major, major musical theater star, jazz singer, died way too young. Yeah, yeah. And I got to know his family. In fact, his youngest son, Peter, and I share the same birthday. Wow. So we got to know each other. And from that point on, it was, come on down to the house. Stay in media. You can just go to Marshall's. And so we always did. Anne and I always ended up going to Marshall's. That's great. You know, That's and it's great. A, it was, became a, a wonderful working relationship. But more than that, it was a personal one and still is. Very, very cherished family in my life. I almost look at them as my second parents. Wow. So That's that from there, one day I opened the mail and there's this song cycle that he wrote for me. Wow. That's wow. how that happened. That is so, ex you have had some wonderful experiences. And you, and you say all coming from, in one way or another, from your first teacher who was very connected and had all the faith in you and that is just fantastic it's amazing so now that i'm a teacher looking at my very very gifted young ones yeah. i see that i can lead them into yeah. places they don't even know they're going yet that's right that's right that's wonderful it's absolutely wonderful join us again next time to hear more from barbara ann martin she is such an accomplished lady and we will find out all about how she came to Chicago, why she came to Chicago, and the wonderful work that she's been doing here in Chicago. Look forward to seeing you next time. The Business Savvy Singer Podcast is brought to you by the PrivateMusicStudio.net, Eternal Wolf Music, and Greta Pope Entertainment. Let us know if you know of a singer who is having great success in the music business. We'd love to share their story and their journey on this podcast. Send your emails to info at gretapope.com. We've had a great time with you today. 
See you next time on the Business Savvy Singer podcast. The Business Savvy Singer. Singer.